It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Interesting, mate. Yeah. Welcome, listeners, to the second special World Cup episode of the Extra Inch. I'm Windy, and I'm joined by our tactics guy Nathan A. Clark to talk about England and the first round of group games in general. Hello, Nathan. Hi, mate. How's it going? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm I'm very good. I'm feeling the 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 football's coming home, mate. Yes, it is definitely coming home. Oh. I mean, after the first round of games, we can say it's 99% coming home. I think that's fair. But first, uh, you want to talk briefly about the Spurs transfer news. The window's obviously open. Um, There's nothing really happening so far in terms of incomings, but there are a few mumblings. So let's get your take on those. So starting off with uh, Wilmar Barrios from Boca Juniors, who's the Colombian central midfielder. What do you know about him? Uh, so I've I've been trying to catch some some footage of him. Um, he's he's very raw. Um, he he's very much a defensive midfielder. Um, I I can't remember what his stats were. I looked them up earlier, but he he's a very very proactive defensive midfielder. Um, he I think he's been called the Colombian Casemiro and the Colombian Kante. But the comparison I would make, um, which is easy for Spurs fans, is I would compare him to Sandro Ranieri in that he's super aggressive and not a very tidy defensive midfielder. He's sort of chaotic, um, which is fun. Um, but I think that if we're looking at him, that suggests that we're likely to be looking at moving on one of Dyer or Wanyama for whatever reason. The only alternative idea is that maybe Dyer is seen exclusively as a centre-back now and therefore we need a second defensive midfielder. I had been wondering that myself. I thought perhaps with the transfer of Delict seeming to fall through for whatever reason, probably asking price, maybe Dyer moving to centre-back is their alternative. Um, and, and so could Barrios being targeted be as a result of that. Having having seen, like you say, a few highlight reels, obviously I've not seen much of him. I, I, in fact, I don't think I've ever seen him play. I'm looking forward to seeing him play for Colombia. Uh, but having done some research on YouTube, he seems much more in the Wanyama style than the Dyer style. He doesn't seem like a player who naturally drops into the back, between the back two uh, to make a back three. More that he's actually, if anything, more aggressive than Wanyama in pressing high up the pitch and seems to be quite composed on the ball. He seems to be more natural in possession than Wanyama to me. Were they your thoughts as well? Pretty much. That's pretty much where I I was. Another player that's been linked once again is Andre Gomez of Barcelona. 
Uh, I think this is probably 18 months now of him being linked to us. So that sort of implies to me that there's some interest. What do you know about him? Uh, he is a player who is deemed very frustrating by a lot of fans. Um, most stats guys dislike him because statistically he looks very poor. Um, but to try and put a positive spin on it, he reminds me very much of um, Dembele in the sort of uh, late AVB Tim Sherwood era where he where he frustrated Spurs fans a lot because he had a lot of the ability, but he was incredibly negative with how he used the ball. Um, and he would receive the ball, wait to take on a man, and then turn around and, and pass it sideways or backwards. That's sort of where Andre Gomez is now. So you, if you look at that similarity, you might be very optimistic and say, well, then he can therefore turn Andre Gomez into Moussa Dembele as he has done before with Moussa Dembele. Um, I am not totally confident that that's possible, but maybe. He seems very much to be a uh, a player with a lot of rough edges to smooth out. And with the way Spurs are now, can we really be afford to be taking chances on, on so many rough diamonds? I don't know. And at 24, is there enough time for those to be smoothed out in time for him to become a decent first-team option? Um, interesting one, though, because, I mean, he's someone who's been linked time and time again over the p- past few years. And when those links keep cropping up, it does tend to imply that there's some genuine interest there. So watch this space. The third one is Undombele, who I know you're a big fan of, who is the Lyon midfielder, currently on loan from Amiens. Um, but I believe there is a €10 million Euro fee pre-agreed between the two clubs, which Lyon would be crazy not to take up because you know he's, he's moved well beyond that price bracket now. Um, you're a big fan, right, De- right Nathan, of Undombele? I mean, yeah, he he's got the name and everything. He's 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 ready to to be Dembele. Um, it's it's all there. He he he's um uh, uh maybe a less safe, um more aggressive. He's got more to his passing game. Um, yeah. The only complication, as you say, is that he's on this sort of um pre loan before you buy deal. Um, to Leon. But he fits nicely into the Spurs model. Okay, well, let's move on and talk about England because there's a lot to talk about. Um, The game was actually a lot of fun, I thought. So this is the morning after the Tunisia match. Um, We won 2-1. Harry Kane scored twice. Harry Kane, our lord and saviour, I should say. What a man. Um, There was a lot of of positive aspects of that performance for England. What did you think went well in the match? Uh, the 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 early start and and creating a ton of quality chances early on and but then of course failing to score more than one from them um but i guess we sort of knew that was coming and, and the really impressive bit is that we we continued and we stuck at it when it got hard and when we've seen um england capitulate so many times and i and, and i i i put england iceland as sort of in my top two biggest capitulations of all time with Newcastle five Spurs one. Um, and, and you can see the sort of toxicity surrounding England players and the pressure that's on them um, and the ill feeling that they've had and how that's affected their game. But in this game, they stuck it out when it got tough and they kept going and they got that winner. So I think that's probably the biggest positive. They did keep going. And I think that was, 
the the exciting thing for me was that they didn't change their style, so they didn't resort to just playing playing aimless long balls forward. They still kept trying to play the style of football that Southgate's encouraged almost since day one of his tenure. Um, and it, it, it's slightly Spursy in in, in in a way. Um, I would say slightly more direct than, than the way Spurs play. Um, we don't try and play so many through balls on the edge of the box. We try and get crosses in a bit earlier for Kane. Um, but it, f- from my perspective, it worked really well. And the fact that we created so many chances excites me more than, you know, I'm basically I'm not concerned about the fact that we, we only won 2-1 and only won via a last-minute goal because we naturally created chances in open play. But the other main point of note is our set pieces, which were terrific. Uh, Michael Cox had written a piece pre-World Cup and he'd said basically that Trippier and Young are in the squad slash team because of their virtue of the set pieces. And I'd kind of thought, well, I'm not sure how true that is. You know, you don't tend to pick players based purely on set-piece ability. Trippier's set-pieces last night were sensational. He created five chances from um, corners and free kicks. Um, I mean, I mean, we'll talk more about Trippier generally because I want to apologise to him, his parents, his friends, <laughs> um, Burnley Football Club. Um, but I was so impressed with, with how we attack set-pieces, the, the way the ball was delivered. Um, and also, I'd like to give a, a mini shout out to Jordan Henderson who I thought was a bit of a linchpin in our midfield he, his forward passing at times was terrific he still has a nasty habit of needlessly chipping balls at players which makes it difficult for them to control but you know some of his fast first time passes forward often over the top or sweeping them out the wide were, were really impressive and I, I thought you know that was a he fully justified his um his start over Dyer in that anchor role yeah, I'd agree with that. I think he, he did have sort of a nervy patch, but as you say, he had also, to counter that, he had a few first-time balls over the top that um, were fantastic uh, and, and created the early chances. So we haven't got Bardi with us today, but he wanted to get his all in, as he does, and he said, for all of England's promise of attacking and risk-free football, are you concerned that both goals came from set pieces? I am not. Um, I would be if uh, Spurs were struggling to score but getting through with set pieces because I don't believe we put a lot of time into them but with England there's a clear um, series of of set plays um, put into action and those unlike just sort of random set piece goals that you get at Tottenham from time to time those are repeatable those you can rely on those will come again because you look at pretty much every corner every free kick Almost every single one of them was going to Maguire, um, was going to the far post where Maguire was for him to then head back across for a second ball. Um, and it yielded results repeatedly. So, um, I, if we do just, if that's our only one set play and we carry on like that deep into the tournament, well, teams will start doubling up on Maguire and they'll start doubling up on the far post. But if we have more than one play that we're going to take with us throughout the tournament, um, then I think that's a very positive and, and we can go all the way with set pieces. I totally agree with that. Um, and also, just to further wind Bardi up, I'm going to throw in some XG. So, Michael Cayley's expected goals model had England at 2.4 at half-time and 3.1 at full-time, which, I mean, the, the, the eye test tells you similar, really. Lingard's, in particular, missed some big, big chances. His first one, which he basically put into the middle of the net, which he could have 
easily swept into the corner was was the one for me. Um, but there are other good chances as well. John Stones missed a, a really presentable opportunity. Um, and I, yeah, I, I just thought England played some nice football in general. Their one or two touch stuff in the first 20 minutes was fantastic and they were cutting Tunisia apart with relative ease and we could have been two or three clear. So I'm not overly concerned about the fact that we were ultimately reliant on set pieces because I think the performance in general was good. I just want to also comment on Southgate's use of substitutes, which I thought was just about spot on. I think Ashley Young probably should have come off for Rose um, probably around the 70-minute mark. I mean, I would have started Rose, but that's kind of beside the point. Um, Yeah, I I, I like what Southgate did. I thought all the subs had an impact, particularly Loftus-Cheek, who was driving from from deep and and getting forward down that right-hand side. Um, so that's encouraging as well and we did mention in the last podcast that England have some nice options from the bench that give something different to the starting eleven, which is something we've not really seen um, in recent England tournament squads okay let's talk about Kieran Trippier so uh, Ryan Blackman R Blackman 24 on Twitter said not a question but I'd love to hear your takes on the Walker Trippier dynamic Nathan you go first so uh, we often complain about Trippier's lack of sort of explosiveness, his lack of pace, he doesn't take his man on very much. Um, and I, I think that his success for England, his current ongoing success for England sort of highlights um, the difference in international and club football, but also the different setups between England and Spurs in that um, England are, are getting their width, getting their energy um, from their central midfielders who are playing very attacking roles. Um, we use the wing back to, um, attract the opposition winger and then the central midfielder makes sort of, uh, an outwards run between the opposition fullback and winger. Um, and we play an early ball over the top. And that is something that, that Trippier has always been fantastic at. Um, so yeah, it's a really, really, uh, and that matches well for Young as well, who, who's not as pacey as he was. Now he's 32 years old. So yeah, that was a fantastic use of the fullbacks and, and also the central midfielders we have available. I was really critical in our first World Cup special, um, of, of the fact that Trippier was potentially going to play right wing back with Walker, one of the best right wing backs in the world behind him. But actually the problems with, well, with Walker in this match and not with Trippier, Trippier was probably, Probably our best player, dare I say. Um, and I feel like I can't really delight in that because I've previously called for him to not even be in the squad, let alone the starting eleven. So it, it feels wrong for me to now be uh, to be enjoying his performance. Um, but he was great. I mean, like I said before, I think England's play a slightly different style to Spurs. And like you've touched on there, I think that benefits, benefits Trippier. Um, and maybe Southgate's playing that style in a sense because he, he wants Trippier as a, as a right wing back. Um, I did feel there was a, a case in the last 20 minutes for switching him and Walker. Walker was under no pressure at the back and I felt like Trippier's passing from the back could have been useful, whereas Walker made a couple of really exciting bursts on the right in those uh, last few minutes, which made me kind of think what could have been. And I, I would have liked to have seen him running up the wing against tired legs, given that he probably conserved a fair amount of energy during the match. And I think there's, there's scope there for doing some uh, mid-game switches. Um, but on the whole, Trippier was great. He used the ball really intelligently. He did lose it a, few, a fair few times with some of his passing, but it almost didn't matter because England won the ball back so quickly. Um, yeah, really, really, really liked Trippier's performance. Very encouraged about what's what's to come there. Um, and I was totally and utterly wrong on 
whether who on on the question of who should start. Let's talk about what didn't go so well. Um, I mean, there are plenty of positives. I would say a few negatives, uh, and I'll start off by saying, you know, Lingard's wastefulness. I feel like Lingard is probably one of the weaker links in the team. Actually, I like a lot of what he does. He makes some very good third man runs, um, but he can be incredibly wasteful, and, and you almost can't afford to be as wasteful as he was in international football. Did you have any thoughts on on Lingard or indeed Deli Ali? Yeah, they both sort of had. I mean, Delhi sort of got injured, didn't he? And, and he he slowed down, and then um, he sort of moves into very much a forward role, into a very sort of Spurs Delhi Alley role, where he was just making runs off the ball and, and trying to get in the box and 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 link things together up there. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to be too critical of Lingard. I think there's um, sort of there's Ruben Loftus Cheek hovering just over his shoulder. Um, but you wouldn't want to sort of throw him out after a single game either. So uh, there might be an opportunity for rotation um, and, and look at it that way. Um, I'm not unhappy with Lingard. I, I take I, uh, He's probably not in our top 11 players, but that doesn't make him um, an inappropriate pick for the first 11. Yeah, sure. No, I completely agree with that. Um, if Delhi seemed to pick up a thigh injury, it was unclear whether it was a slight strain or whether he'd just got a dead leg but he seemed to pull up after no contact so he kind of thought it was a strain I mean I, I assumed immediately that he'd be coming off and I think Delph went to warm up and it looked like he was going to come on for him and then Delhi signalled that he was okay if he doesn't start the next game would you be looking at Loftus-Cheek as a kind of natural replacement there? Yeah it was slightly curious that um, it was Delph who went to warm up initially um, I think Southgate sees Delph and Delhi as left-sided midfielders and sees Lingard and Ruben Loftus-Cheek as right-sided midfielders. But I don't know, that seems quite overly static. So I'm not sure. The other thing I kind of wanted to touch upon was, in in my opinion, something that we need to be wary of, which is the left side of our defence, where we have Harry Maguire and Ashley Young. So I think Harry Maguire is not ideally suited to playing on the left of a back three. And that's because there's a technical issue in his game where he's so right-footed and almost unable to let the ball run across his body onto his left foot and take it on his left. When you see someone like Toby Alderweireld, who's equally right-footed, play on the left, he's happy to let the ball run across him and to clear the ball with his left foot, which which keeps attacking players guessing. Maguire, on the other hand, is very predictable, wants to cut in every time. And we saw twice last night that he he's liable to cut in and then play some reckless passes across the his own penalty area. With Young on his outside, that is a problem because Young wants to do exactly the same yeah. and England become very easy to box in. Whereas were Rose on that left side, I think Maguire's technical issue can be less exposed. Um, so I think that's something to watch. I do actually think Rose will come in for Young in the next match. I thought Young was probably our poorest player. Um, and, uh, you know, the effort level is always there with Young. He's not a player I'd warm to. I think he's actually... He's a bit of a shithouse. He's not a particularly nice guy on the pitch. And his style is not for me. But the effort levels are there. and He's a good man marker. But I think Rose adds so much extra dynamism there, even if he's not fully on form. And that coupled with the fact that Maguire is so one-footed means for me that Rose should start the next game. Interested in if, if you have any thoughts on that, Nathan? Uh, yeah, I, I take all your points on on Rose. Obviously, we don't know what. Obviously, he's been sort of fairly public about his um, his issues in the last year, and we don't know what sort of um, 
place he's in. Um, but yeah, I, I, I take your reasoning there. Also, I've been someone to to play down um, Maguire's links to Spurs, which which Spurs fans like to recommend. Um, and I, I haven't changed my mind on that, but I was very impressed with Maguire's game overall. I, I, I accept that there are a couple of issues, especially early on um, with his right-footedness, but he, he carried the ball forward a lot and obviously he was brilliant from set pieces. Yeah, I mean, he, the way he attacks the ball, it's, it's like a... The- uh, he's like a magnet for the ball at set pieces. He's he's a tall guy, we know that, but he's also really broad and strong, and he seems to dominate everything. Um, also, you know, twinkle toes runs forward. We, we've seen Maguire do that all season, and he's very capable. And then it was a joy to see him charge forward and make up the numbers in midfield at times. Um, and uh, you know, I'm fully behind Maguire being part of the team. I'm just not sure that him and Young on the left is a, is is quite right. Just one final point in our back three. I thought John Stones had a quietly excellent game. Very calm, composed, an excellent presence. Um, I saw him a few times marshalling the offside trap. I, I, I really like, I'm a big fan of Stones unapologetically. And I think what the way he played last night was incredibly encouraging. Particularly given he's not played consistently this season. He's, he's often found himself out of the Man City team. So to come in and, and look so commanding was um, was impressive. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, we had a question from Aaron B. Rowell who says, On a scale of 1 to 10, how much is it coming home? Nathan, you were very confident in our first World Cup pod. Are you still feeling confident? Yeah, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's 1966. Nice, nice. I mean, that's pretty definite. Um... I mean, let's move on from there and, and talk about what's happened in the other first group matches so far. It's generally been the case that the big teams have disappointed. Do you have a feeling for why that might be? Uh, only that the general trend of international f- football is for a general parity and chaos because um, <laughs> because of the effectiveness of the low block, which comes from... Um, 
the lack of ability for international teams to create proactive possession styles, which comes from the lack of time available with um, the team for coaches and the lack of playing time with all the members of um, the national squads and the general lower quality of coaches at the international level. I totally agree with that. I think that's a, a really salient point. It's something that is often forgotten. You know, these players aren't training together every week. It's very difficult to build up a system. And so typically, and this is, this is you know, a huge, huge sweeping judgment, but typically teams that haven't changed much over the past X years tend to do better at tournaments. However, to counter that, Germany's team has not changed very much and they were one of the biggest disappointments in that first round of matches. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I was slightly shocked by Germany's poor showing. I guess they've got a lot of ageing players in their team. And in a sense, the exclusion of um, Sadio Mane is the cherry on top of that. They've, they've opted for... What, Sane, what? not Mane. Sorry, why did I say that? <laughs> yeah, they've they've aged a lot in midfield, especially it's Cruz and Kadira who are now into their sort of... Um, early to mid 30s and it's, it's really showing in midfield for them isn't it Cruz was an interesting one because he was marked almost man marked by uh, Carlos Vela which was he did a really impressive job I was, I was really impressed with Vela who's a player that I've never thought much of at all um, basically did a man to man job on Cruz when uh, when Mexico didn't have the ball and, and that worked really effectively but Germany's midfield was way too high up the pitch I don't know what was going on there um, the gap between their defence and midfield was was enormous and it meant that their defence was constantly committing themselves in very dangerous areas, which is problematic. I mean, of the big teams, the only one that I actually thought looked good was Spain. And obviously they, they drew three all, uh, they, they made some, some key individual errors. Uh, but I thought they overall, I thought they were good. I thought Diego Costa was impressive, but I thought Isco was the main man. He, he looked really impressive. And I kind of see Spain's managerial change not impacting as much as many thought it might and I still I still think they for me I, th- I still think they're the eventual winners what do you think of Spain yeah I, I pretty much echo that they're, they're still Spain they're not quite at their height um they don't have Xavi but they're they're still very good um they just got ronaldo they totally got ronaldo I mean he he's he was his usual talismanic self um and that free kick was outrageous on the, on the uh, flip side of the big team struggling, we've seen some really promising performances from some of the slightly lesser teams, particularly Mexico, who I was incredibly impressed with. They were very organised and, you know, dare I say, one of my least favourite players, Javier Hernandez, had an excellent game leading the line, I thought. Um, but also Portugal, who Bardi tipped in the first first podcast, uh, was very impressed with Portugal as a unit. I thought Iran looked good against Morocco. And I, th- I, was, I, I thought Sweden were also... Um, Interesting to watch and, and very solid. Obviously very direct, which is a unattractive style generally, but you can't, the World Cup benefits from having different stylistic matches. Um, and, and they were a fascinating team to watch because they, they were almost Allardyce-esque in their approach, which actually worked really well for them. Yeah. Are there any performances that have caught your eye? Uh, no, I think you've hit them already. I, I found that game to be a particularly hard watch myself. Um, I struggled with that one, but that's sort of after, what is it, four or five days of, of several games a day. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. The other one that of interest to me was um, Russia beating Saudi Arabia 5-0 despite having 39% possession, <laughs> which just almost tells you everything you need to know about the World Cup so far. It's not about how much you have the ball, it's about the effectiveness of what you do 
when you do have it. Um, I didn't think Russia were overly impressive, actually, overall. Um, 5-0 flattered them. But Saudi's centre-backs were just about the worst centre-backs I've, I've seen in any international match. They were both horrendous. Um, and I've got to say, Denis, is it Cheryshev? The Villarreal winger who came on for Zhigoev scored two absolutely brilliant goals for Russia and was probably their best player despite being a sub. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't think Russia were going to be much cop and I still don't think they're going to be um, a winner. But I, I think they might... I, 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 well, I'm fairly confident they'll qualify from their group now and I'm interested to see what happens there. The other yeah. thing of note to me... Sorry, Nath, was um, the, 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 the... I mean, in the last couple of years we've seen certainly the Premier League a switch two back threes and then back to back fours and so far it's very much been back four is the order of the day fewer teams have played a back three um and i'm wondering if the back three formation perhaps has has fully gone out of fashion now obviously england are one of the few teams to go with a back three any thoughts on that at all uh well we yeah we saw south korea switch to a back three we did also just to go back a bit see tunisia switch to a back three or maybe a back five um, for defensive reasons, and I think that we might see more of that specifically against England. Um, and this is something I've written about before, but um, because England are trying to play a sort of positional play model, vaguely, um, that is about separating the pitch into these five individual columns and attacking all five columns at the same time, the natural response to that is to simply put a man in each column so, you, so that you don't create an overload anywhere. So I think we we might see more teams set up against England in a in a back five. Yeah, I, I think that probably is quite an effective method for for shackling England. Um, we've got a couple of questions in. Firstly, uh, John and lots of numbers on Twitter said we've seen most teams now. Where does England's performance rank? Uh, probably only behind Mexico. Wow, high praise. And and what what's your rationale for that? Uh, well, the the other high uh, high ranked teams haven't performed particularly well, and like you, I was very impressed with Mexico. Mexico seemed a well oiled machine. They were very well drilled, very organised, very difficult to play against. Um, England were almost the opposite of that. They they had fluidity and freedom, and there was there was structure there, but it allowed some of our key players to shine. The one who didn't shine. With Sterling, I think there's lots more to come from Sterling. I'm very excited about what he can achieve in this World Cup. Um, so it's quite nice in a way that England haven't played at their at their full potential yet, because clearly Sterling can do more. I think Deli Ali and Lingard can do more. Um, I would probably say I think it's difficult to disagree. That I'd, I'd say Spain for me were more impressive when Brazil looked good in their patches where they did look good. They were more impressive, but over the course of the match, they disappointed. Um, but yeah, it's difficult to argue with us being second or third. We'll talk about Belgium as well, because they're in our group. I don't know if you caught the Panama-Belgium match, which, I mean, ended up as a, a bit of a thrashing, but on the way the match went, that didn't feel like a fair reflection. I thought Panama missed crucial chances at key points, where Belgium looked a bit flaky, and certainly defensively they didn't look quite right to me. Um, and also they were very reliant on their opening goal being an absolute worldie from Mertens. Did you catch that game? Yeah, I um, made a video on it at half-time. I managed to sort of screen record some of the overhead tactical cam um, and made a very quick, very rough video pointing out a couple of Belgium's issues in possession. Um, but my internet is terrible, so by the time the video <laughs> uploaded, they were 3-0 up. 
<laughs> but I think, you know, as I've just said, I, I sort of agree. I think your point stands. They basically went back and forth across the defence constantly because they couldn't get anyone on the ball in midfield. It was crying out for Dembele to come on in there. I'm not sure about Witzel. I've, I've never been sure on Witzel. And I certainly don't think De Bruyne as a deep-line playmaker is the way forward for Belgium. They need to get him on the ball a little higher and Dembele would allow them that. Um, Martinez has not got that team set up right at all, but they have got such good players in attacking areas that they can rely on those moments of quality as they ended up with. And I've got to say, their second and third goals were great, to be fair to them. Um, so yeah, good goals from Belgium, but not a cohesive 90-minute good performance. Uh, next question was from Andy Perry 79 who said, Does Kane fill a different role as a nine for England than he does for Spurs? He didn't seem very mobile tonight, although his hold-up play and layoff play were exemplary. He seems more dynamic for Spurs in the central role. Any thoughts on that, Nath? Uh, yeah, he definitely sort of plays as a more traditional number nine for England. I think that makes sense tactically because you 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 want to sort of lean to basics more and and know that you're going to have a man in there rather than just give players total freedom to express themselves um but there's also a possibility that he's still carrying that injury a little bit still still struggling for fitness a tiny bit i sort of felt like that as well um yeah i mean basically in the second half i thought he looked a bit lethargic he didn't do his usual hold up play out on the wing um as effectively as he does for spurs I agree, though, that his role, again, is different for England, and I think it goes back to the point I made earlier where I sort of said that they put the ball in the box more early, and if Kane's not there to get on the end of it, there's no point doing that. So I think he's encouraged to stay on the shoulder more, whereas for Spurs, we see him drop deep, link play, and players run beyond him. Southgate seems to favour the ball going out wider and then the ball going into the box a bit earlier. And that's not to say it's constantly direct or, or a long ball style. It's, it's not at all. We... we try and use the ball from sensible areas and Trippier in particular was very high up the pitch on numerous occasions um, but certainly when the ball goes out to Trippier he wants the ball delivered and that's that's absolutely fair enough um, also we have a question from Spurs Statman who said would you rather Kane scored the winner in the World Cup final or in an Aguero type scenario for Spurs? I mean I'd take either but um, club before country of course. I am 100% club before country and would agree I thought of an interesting twist in this question though do you think Kane would rather score the winner in the World Cup final or an Aguero type scenario for Spurs ah uh that's a tough one I I think he'd go World Cup you know yeah I think I think I he might lean that way the bigger stage the bigger stage it would forever go down in national football history whereas you know a, a winning goal for Spurs to, to win the league would only go down in Spurs history only go down in Spurs history as such I think Kane genuinely does have affection for Spurs and us as fans but ultimately he's a very driven man and he has a lot of ambition in his career and to score the winner in the World Cup final would just be insane so I think you'd I think you'd go with that if it's secured in the golden boot then definitely oh yeah <laughs> do you think he has a chance of the golden boot I do I think so as well I'm excited. I, I think having that as a target for him can only make us better. Definitely. Is there anything you wanted to add at all on the um, the first round of matches that we've not we've not spoken about? Uh, no, I think that's it. We've covered a fair bit there, and we're going to get back together after the next England game and, and basically do the same thing again. Hopefully, by then they'll have we'll have some solid Spurs transfer info to talk about as well. It's been very quiet on that front so far, which is I must say slightly worrying. Um, but yeah, thanks for your time, Nate. It's been good fun. I've enjoyed talking about England's 
2-1 win and let's hope that we we win the next game as well i i think given panama's sort of slight recklessness with the ball i think there's every chance we'll win that one quite comfortably it's coming home it's coming home right that's it thanks for listening and we'll be back in a few days time Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.